whole nation as it's kind of in shock after that occurrence. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we know that we have peace and security uh, because of who you are, because we have a relationship with you that we, we can trust and we can hope and we can have security. But, Lord, this world is not secure. Uh, and, uh, Father, we just pray for all of the families that suffered in the tragedy over this past week. Lord, we pray comfort and grace on each mom and dad and family member that is struggling through this horrific event. Lord, we pray for this nation, Lord, that the response would not just be anger, Lord, but a a response of calling out for help. Because as a nation, as as a society, we need help. We need your intervention. And so, Lord, we pray that you would intervene on the personal level, those personally affected We pray that you'd intervene on a national level as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, God did intervene about 2,000 years ago uh, when he came as the Christ in the incarnation. And so today we're going to be talking about the Christmas story this week and next uh, in preparation for um, the big holiday coming up. And really the, the thing I want to draw attention to as we discuss the Christmas story is that um, there's a parallel between Mary conceiving Christ, the Savior, and you and I conceiving Christ as our Savior. That's that's the big idea, the parallel between Mary conceiving Christ, literally, and us, you and I conceiving Christ as our Savior. You know, the story of Christmas is not something that should be relegated to history. All right? Not just some ancient event that no longer has significance here and now. And sometimes when something is very familiar, it's easy to diminish the value of it. We've all heard the Christmas story so many times, and it's become adopted almost on a cultural level. Um, In fact, uh, we mentioned Japan this morning. Pretty much everyone in Japan celebrates Christmas, even though about one-tenth of one percent are Christian. They don't know the, the real story they only know the, 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 the kind of like the celebration. They know the Santa Claus version, and they know about trees and gifts and the decorations, but they don't, most of the Japanese people don't know the message of the incarnation, really what's, what it is about. And so uh, we want to bring attention to the true message of, of Christmas, the true story, um, and, and, and the story is true. And that's, that's one big aspect of the Christmas story is that it's true. It's 100% real historically, but it's also meant to be realized or lived out in our day, in, in our lives. So let's read it from uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. I'm going to read a portion of the Christmas story. So this is from New King James. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So again, that familiar passage of the encounter of Mary and the angel and Mary being told by the angel what was about to happen. Well, in this passage, there's two commands and there are two responses. So we're going to look at these two commands and look at the two responses and how they applied uh, to Mary and then how they apply to us. The first command is to rejoice. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Uh, the Gabriel, the angel, came from the presence of God with a message of joy. In fact, he commanded, it was a command, rejoice. It literally means to be exceedingly glad, kind of like outrageously happy, all right? To get excited, you know, it can be translated cheers. <laughs> yay, yeah, yay would be here. An angel showed up in your room and he goes, yay! Wow, man, you are blessed. That's really what it looked like. <laughs> That's what Gabriel communicated, you know. That really is. That's what, it, what, what he meant. Because of incarnation, this message is a message of exceeding joy, overwhelming excitement. It's like this is, this is blow your mind kind of happy thought. All right? You're not going to believe what's going to happen. In fact, she didn't. <laughs> so the incarnation is a message of joy. It's also a supernatural message. Everything about the incarnation, everything about the Christmas story is, about the, is supernatural. All right? The means of the announcement was supernatural. You know, Mary didn't get a telegram. She didn't get a letter. She didn't get an email. She didn't get a text on her iPhone. <laughs> right? An angel showed up. Wow. Not an everyday experience. So the means was supernatural. The method uh, was supernatural. She was a virgin. Uh, it was absolutely supernatural that she would conceive a child because she had not had sexual relationship with a man. She conceived. So that was supernatural. And the result is supernatural. The result of that incarnation is the salvation of all mankind, the redemption of creation, the, the work of Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. So the means, the method, and the result are all supernatural. The gospel is a message of joy, and it's a message of the supernatural invading our world. Amen? So like Mary, Mary needed to hear it that way, 
And we need to hear it that way. We need to hear the, the command to rejoice. It's a proper, it's the proper response to the message of Jesus coming. It's the proper response uh, to the message of Christmas. The story of Christmas is to get happy. It's like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And to allow that truth to really saturate your being, your soul, your mind, uh, the way you live, that you are filled with joy because Jesus came. You know, just think of a world without the message of hope, the ma a world without, the, without Christianity. What would it look like? When you look at the effect that the, a Christian faith has had throughout the centuries, there's nothing that parallels it. There's nothing that comes close to the amount of, of life change that's happened because of this, this historical fact when this angel came and this, this, little, this young woman conceived. It's a message worth rejoicing. All right? It's interesting that um, the word rejoice... The same word was used by Jesus after his resurrection when he met Mary Magdalene and the other Mary uh, when they saw him uh, after he rose from the dead. He said, rejoice. That was the first word that came out of Jesus' lips after the re resurrection was rejoice. The very same word that came from the angel's mouth uh, speaking to this Mary. So uh, we need to uh, understand that the message is joy. We also need to understand and accept the supernatural nature of the message of the gospel. You know, as Christians, we should never try to delete or to remove the super out of the story. Right? You don't have to. You don't have to minimize the supernatural aspect of it. When you're talking with people that are not believers, don't try to minimize the fact that they're all miracles. Right? God didn't minimize that fact. He actually drew a lot of attention to it. Because we need mirac miracles. We need a miraculous intervention. Amen? Amen. Right? We do. Uh, and, and, it, and it attracts people's attention. And it, it's, the, it's the signature of God. As Christians, we should expect the supernatural in our lives. You have to live with the expectation that there's going to be supernatural activity on your life. And if you, if you have the expectation that maybe one day you might see something miraculous, then maybe one day you might. But if rather you live like I live, every day I'm expecting to see something supernatural. I don't care if it's something little, something big. I'm just on the lookout. I got my eyes open. God, what are you going to do today? I, you know? I don't want to miss it because I, I'm focused on something else. Are, are you hearing me? Like the supernatural, you know, Mary didn't expect an angel to show up in her room, but he did. And so the angel, the supernatural can show up wherever. Could be at home, could be at work, could be in your car. Don't know. Have to be on alert. Be ready and receive it. So, <clears throat> uh, and the reason we need to expect the supernatural in our lives is because like Mary, when she was drawn into this Christmas story, we've been drawn in to the working of God's supernatural interactions with mankind. Right? <laughs> when you heard the gospel and responded, 
or of God's uh, speaking the gospel to you right now and, and you're here because he's got your attention, you're being drawn in to God's supernatural intervention with the human race. And everything about God is supernatural. So you need to expect to see and to experience a supernatural, uh, the, the supernatural, uh, the, the things that, that cannot be explained by natural means happening in your life uh, and, and hopefully on a regular basis. Uh, the means, just like, just like uh, uh, for Mary, the means, the method, and the outcome of our faith, our encounter with the message of Jesus Christ, is to be just as supernatural as Mary's experience. Are you ready for that? How supernatural was Mary's experience? Very. <laughs> How many want to conceive a baby? <laughs> a few of us do. A few. But I don't. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean we're going to have the same experience, but we're going to have the same supernatural experience. In other words, we can expect the supernatural because we're dealing with the supernatural God. Amen? <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> and then it goes on. It says, Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The primary attribute of Mary that we know, the only thing about Mary we know, was something that was bestowed upon her. In other words, it was just something that was given to her by God. And it was favor. You're, you know, wow, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. It's something God extended to Mary. It's not something Mary had of her own merit or worth. There's no... A description of Mary's life or character about why she was chosen. Is there? All we know is that the angel showed up and said, man, you are blessed. God loves you. You are highly favored. So what we know, the qualifications of, that we know of Mary has nothing really to do with Mary other than she was the recipient of God's favor. Her value was in her relationship with God. It wasn't something she earned or expressed in any way apart from that relationship. Does that make sense? All right. And the word used to describe Mary in this verse, highly favored, is only used one other time in the New Testament. And I learned this a few years ago and it really got me excited. So I try to work it in every Christmas message. <laughs> um, uh, Mary, obviously, is, is highly esteemed, and rightly so. <clears throat> but the word that's uh, used to describe her, highly favored, is found in one other place. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise uh, of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And the, and the Greek words, accepted in the beloved, is the same as, as the Greek word translated highly favored. Yeah. He made who? 
us. He made us accepted in the beloved. He made us highly favored through what Christ did. And so you and I have the very same qualification that Mary, the mother of our Lord, has. Think about that. Think about that. Why? Because it has nothing to do with you. It's what God has bestowed on you, just like it was with Mary. He bestows His favor. He bestows, He gives it, He gives it as a gift. And He gave it to Mary, and He gives it to all who come into relationship through adoption, uh, through the uh, grace that is shown in the in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that was command number one, was rejoice. Command number two is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, the rational response to encountering the supernatural, a supernatural God is fear. Amen? Almost every incident in Scripture, I think every incident in Scripture, where someone encounters a manifestation of God or an angel, what does the angel say? Yeah, fear not. Don't be afraid. I think it's more like, don't, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, don't be afraid. Deep breath, deep breath, in, out, it's okay, it's all right, I'm not going to kill you. Because <laughs> they're terrifying, you know, when they show up as a messenger of God. Uh, there's, the, the Bible does say sometimes they show up and they, you don't know they're angels, so you've got to be careful. Uh, but when they come as a messenger of God, uh, they instill fear. When you encounter a supernatural, it's rational uh, to be afraid. It's interesting that um, the same uh, word is again used by Jesus right after, when, after the resurrection when he meets uh, the two Marys um, and says rejoice. The very next words that come out of his mouth are don't be afraid. All right? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Uh, encountering uh, the supernatural uh, uh, stirs up fear. <clears throat> and just like we don't want to diminish the super, we don't want to diminish this reaction. Of, of fear when someone comes into an encounter or when you encounter God if there you ought to be afraid of the Almighty God it's rational don't dismiss this reaction it's not wrong it's rational it's a fearful thing this quote from Hebrews chapter 1031 it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God that's not Old Testament folks even if it was, it still applies. He's the same God. His personality hasn't changed. All right? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And we don't want to minimize that reaction because there's, there, you know, if, if, we, uh, if, you, if you're not afraid of God in this way, you don't understand God. All right? But mixed in, or God's response to that rational reaction is the message, do not fear, because you have found favor. Wow! This powerful, almighty God is someone that we have favor with. So that fear then is turned to respect and awe, because we realize that we have a special place in His heart. Alright? That we don't have to run and hide, because He is, He's done all in His power to reach us. And so that changes the fear to awe, to reverence, to respect. 
favor is the same word as grace. All right? It's charis in the Greek. Uh, the favor that we find is grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Mary could overcome that fear reaction that she had because of grace. And we can overcome any fear that we have in our lives because of the same grace. All right? It's that favor. It's that grace. It's knowing that we're highly favored, that we can overcome whatever fear we may have. And it brought to mind, for me, as I was preparing this message, the, the words of the famous hymn, uh, Amazing Grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." You know, it was grace that taught me how to fear. That was a right thing, but it was also that same grace that changed that fear into reverence and awe and respect. Okay, what did that grace or favor produce in Mary? What was the effect or the result of that, of that grace? Verse 31 says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Alright, so with Mary, there, God the Son was literally conceived supernaturally in her womb. Now that was unique. It only happened once. It'll never happen again. And that person that was conceived, Jesus, God the Son, took on humanity within Mary's womb uh, and became human and went through the entire birthing process uh, and grew as a, as a, as a, as a boy and, and lived his life. That was unique. <clears throat> Amen? It happened once. He's, he's God the Son. He's uh, unique. But what is not unique is the result of grace. If we've experienced the same supernatural grace that came upon Mary, and we're to expect the supernatural in our lives, then we can understand, or, or what I want to, to try to get you to comprehend, is that there's the same result that's supposed to happen in your life and every individual's life who receives that grace, that Christ is conceived in us. Christ was conceived in Mary, right? Well, Christ needs to be conceived in us, in you and I. And frankly, it's just as supernatural. All right? That the person of God takes up residence within our physical bodies. Christ being conceived within it. First Peter uses the word uh, uh, very specifically. First Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And the seed, you know, you're all adults, it's sperm. Sperma. Not of corruptible seed, <clears throat> but incorruptible. He's tying together the, the being born again with the whole idea of becoming impregnated with an incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. 
which lives and abides forever. The result of grace is to reproduce Jesus in us and through us. In us as he reigns, his kingship shall not end. Right? That's what, what the angel said to Mary. Well, how is that demonstrated today? It's when Jesus is Lord of your life. When Jesus is Lord of your life, His kingship, His reign is enduring today. Do you get it? And as we extend His, uh, His Lordship, as we communicate the Gospel, and other people are brought into relationship when we speak the Word, and in them, it, the idea, Christ is conceived, they get it, and He's birthed in them, and they have a salvation experience, they're born again into, in Christ, His Lordship extends over them. And now they are the representation of His reign and His rule. And so that's where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's where he reigns. And so he's reigning and ruling. His lordship is in each and every believer where he has been conceived, where he sits on the throne. I think that's exciting. I think that's something that we can rejoice about. All right? <clears throat> so the first command was rejoice. The second command was don't be afraid. Now let's look at the two responses. Uh, the first response is, how can this be? What are you trying to say? Mary freaks out. How can this be? Now, she was saying that about the literal conception. You know, how can it possibly be? How, how can I get my brain wrapped around the idea that I'm going to have a baby without first knowing a man? What are you, the angel, are you crazy? And so that was a natural response. And the, angel, her, the angel's re response is very important. It says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So the angel explained that, you know what, Mary? You don't have to do anything. Because God's going to do this. All right? She didn't have to climb a mountain. She didn't have to figure out some secret code. <laughs> right? She didn't have to do anything. God's was going to do it. God's going to accomplish it. It was going to be something not done according to the normal, natural means. It was going to be a supernatural work by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, was going to come and do a supernatural work within the body of, of Mary to reproduce, to, to produce Jesus Christ literally within her. So our response to the gospel often can be the same thing. How can this be? How can Christ be reproduced in me? Are you hearing me? How can I live a Christ-like life? How can I overcome this besetting sin? How can I live a, a life of faith? God, you don't understand. I, I, I'm not like so-and-so and so-and-so. I don't have everything going for me. I'm not that spiritual. I can't do that. I've failed 500 times. How could I possibly represent you, Jesus? How could I live holy like you? Same way you got more going on for you than Mary had for her. 
She was probably a teenager, unmarried, and gets pregnant. And so culturally, she was an outcast and poor. You know, we have the Word of God and so much knowledge of, of God's ways. We actually have more. And so when God calls you to, to let Christ be reproduced in you, and the response is, and, and that might be you know, in some, some uh, area of your life that you need to step out in faith uh, by, by not sinning in a particular way or not living selfishly or, or step out in a particular way and do something that's radical for God. And how could you do that? How can I, God, I can't, I can't, I can't bring myself to do that. You have to rely on the same thing that Mary relied on, supernatural grace. All right? Okay, God, if you want this done, you got to do it. Come on? Because God's means, method, and result is to be supernatural. And he's able to do that. We have to, the, the faith part of it just is in believing that God can do it. It's not believing that we can do it. Amen? <clears throat> and in fact, the scripture backs this up. In Acts chapter 1, speaking about you and I, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, until the ends of the earth. Wow! Did you notice the similarity of the wording? You know, the person who wrote Luke also wrote Acts. He intentionally made it similar. All right? That the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow the disciples and the power of the Holy Spirit was going to uh, transform them so that they could be the witnesses for Christ. So that they could reproduce Christ wherever they go. And so the same thing that happened uh, to Mary is to happen to each one of us. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, overshadows us with His power, tra transforming our nature into the nature of Christ. There's a direct correlation between Mary conceiving Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the same power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and making us witnesses. Uh, birthing Christ in us, reproducing His character Reproducing his character. Right? Birthing Christ. Say, birthing Christ. Birthing Christ. Reproducing his character. And extending his reign. All right? Same thing. That's what happened to Mary. Why? Because God favored her. Well, God favored us. We're accepted in the beloved. All right? Just as Mary was. The Holy Spirit has overshadowed us just as Mary, it occurred to Mary, and Christ is birthed into us through the Word. And so we need, likewise, to accept and express the Lordship and believe for it and live it. Now the response number two is where it comes down to what's, what's in our hand, what, what's our part of it. And Mary's part was her response. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. So Mary's response of willingness to be a servant, willingness to serve, humbly submitting herself, but going beyond that and confessing it out loud. 
All right, confessing it aloud. Uh, it was really a statement of her faith in, in God's promise and, and, and a, a confidence in the gift that, that the angel had communicated to her that was coming through grace. All right? And so she said, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And we need to respond in the same way. We need to see ourselves as a servant of God. Right? In other words, your identity is not all oh, just what you're, just your calling or what your what your uh, career or you know all of those things are important, but ultimately all of those things should be an expression of your relationship as a servant uh, of God. And you need to say, "Be it unto me according to your word." All right, and and accept the call to be the servant of God, to be used by Him. But more than that. It's not just being used, it's being filled. All right? You know, so, much of, so many times Christians and Christianity focus on, focuses on what God wants to remove from our lives. You know, sin and bad habits and negative things, influences the devil, whatever. But really, most of Christianity is about what God wants to put into our lives. All right? And He wants to put Him, most of all, right in the center. He wants, Jesus wants to come and be, live in your body <laughs> by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God wants to reside with you so you'll never be alone. Whatever you face, you're not going to face it alone. And like Mary, we need to confess aloud, let it be to me according uh, to your word. And I believe that our lives, every aspect of our lives, from the most public to the most private, needs to be in accord to his to the word of god lined up in alignment with the word of god not just the public part it needs to be the public part the private part and the really private part that only you and god see all of it needs to come into alignment with the will and word of god and when that happens we can, we can experience the benefit of being in unity and unison with God and seeing the life of Christ reproduce in each and every one of us. Amen. Aaron has some announcements. Amen, amen. Good word, Pastor Cameron. I um, have a, a few announcements.